But we do offer things for a variety of people in the community. Uh, we have uh, programs for people of all ages. That was Denise Corey, the Chief Librarian of Cumberland Public Libraries, our guest on episode number 10. Stay informed, get involved. Welcome to the Great Amber's Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Cameron. I wanted Denise to come on today to talk about the Cumberland Public Libraries and talk about the services and what they add to our community and the people that typically use the library services. I didn't use the library for a long period of time and as my daughter was getting older I started going back and accessing a lot of those services. And I wanted her to come on and share one, what services people can access once the library opens up again. As well, I wanted Denise to talk about what services the library is offering right now while being shut down. Uh, So we talk a lot about those two topics. Um, And we also talk about the early literacy support and help that the libraries do and the reason and the benefits to our children and our communities that way. And at the end, we talk a lot about the funding model for the library. Uh, And I know I was shocked by the library's budget and what it is. So we have a great conversation about that. And we talk a lot about how people can support the library now and moving forward. The other exciting news about the podcast is we're going to air the first episode of the Great Amherst Gratitude Project on Thursday. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss it. And if you have any other thanks or gratitude you want to share, tgapod.com slash thanks. Today's episode is brought to you by Manzor's Menswear. Their doors are closed, but you can still shop online at manzors.com. Use promo code Andrew at checkout to get a $10 gift card towards your next purchase. And like them on Facebook for their most recent updates and specials. And today's episode is brought to you by D&E Smoked Meat Kitchen and Catering. Dan and Elizabeth are still open on Willow Street Extension and are preparing high quality meals and foods. So the best way to get in touch to place your order or sponsor some meals is by phone at 902-397-4868. And now here's our conversation with Denise Corey. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to the Great Amherst Podcast. Uh, Today's guest is Denise Corey. Denise is the Chief Librarian of the Cumberland Public Libraries. She's originally from New Brunswick and has lived in Amherst since 2008. In addition to working at the library, she's Secretary for the Amherst Rotary Club and has been a board member of for the Fiber Arts Festival and the Sexual Health Center of Cumberland County. So Denise, thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Andrew. So I, I wanted you to come on today because I was thinking the public library like when I was growing up in town, I used it a lot more. And then as I got older, I just, I, I interacted with it less. Um, but since I moved back to town, you know, my wife works at Canu above the library. And so I'd take my daughter in uh, periodically and we'd look at new books and check out new books. And I started to think about and remember the role the library has in our community. And so that's why I want you to come on. And so Denise, I guess if you could start and just start talking with us or telling us about what role does the library and the library system play in our community? So what you've just mentioned is a pretty common 
thing that happens is uh, we lose people sort of in their early 20s and they stop coming to the library. And then when they have kids, they come back because we offer so much in terms of early literacy, uh, you know, with story times and it, parents get tired of reading the same books over and over again, although that doesn't necessarily change with introducing more books into a kid's life. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, they get their favorites. Um, but we do offer things for a variety of people in the community. Uh, we have uh, programs for people of all ages, everything from a uh, knitting group to book club to uh, we offer free computer access, which uh, some people just, you know, they don't have computers at home, free Wi-Fi. That There's so much that we do, it's hard to even summarize it in a single sentence. It's um, we're really a, a community hub, mm -hmm. and it means that we, we try to look at what the community needs and offer that back out. Okay. Okay, so, so some of the things would be like like free computer access. That mm -hmm. I was thinking about. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was talking to um, one of our tenants who had been laid off, and we were talking to him about some of the benefits and programs they could sign up for, with like the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, and saying, you know, uh, you just got to go online. Just go online. And he goes, well, I don't have a computer, and I wanted to say, well. Just go to the library. Anyway. <laughs> and unfortunately, we are not open right now during the state of emergency. Right. I was trying to think of ways that we could put a computer outside for people to use, but I couldn't think of a, a way to do that without um, endangering somebody's health because we would have to make sure that it was cleaned. And yeah, so... Uh, I know that there are people in our community who are really feeling the lack of the library because it is, you know, their internet access, their entertainment, their connection to, you know, socialization because they, they don't necessarily have a lot of people in their lives. And I imagine yourself and the staff would get, get to know the people that come in regularly. Oh yeah, we do. And you really, it, build connections with them and you know what they're coming in for most of the time because they have certain patterns and uh, it's uh, working from home is very distressing to me because I really enjoy interacting with people in the community so self-isolation <laughs> is is hard on us extroverts <laughs> that's it's an interesting comment because the typical picture of the librarian or the chief librarian is not the extroverted person who wants to be around people all the time, right? The yeah, I don't know where that comes from. Um, I obviously know a lot of library people and I would say 95% of them are people who are really good at interacting with other people and they want to talk about what they've read and they want to suggest uh, things that somebody might enjoy and they want to uh, say, hey, you know, I, I see that you're borrowing knitting books. Maybe you want to come in and, and join our knitting group. Like we're, I, I really don't see a lot of introverted library people who don't want to talk to people. <laughs> I, I would agree. Anytime I've gone in with Isabel into the library, like, 
everybody's always saying hi to her and you know not so much me but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you have True. kids though they uh they yes, steal the absolutely show. and we'd always come in and there's always a puzzle in the in the Amherst branch there's always a puzzle set up almost when you go right right at the table by the magazines so we'd always sit and try to put a few pieces in and then carry on and we have some people who come in and they don't necessarily they want to interact with people but they don't necessarily want to have a conversation or so we have people who will come in and sit at that puzzle table in Amherst and and work on that puzzle for a couple of hours and I think that they're doing it because they get that social interaction without necessarily having to talk including uh, somebody who I believe is working on English as an additional language and I think it's really good because then they can hear uh, a lot of people speaking and without having to worry about trying the language and sounding kind of silly, you know, you get to listen a lot. That's true. That's one, one other thing I noticed from going back to the library is there's less, or maybe there's more tolerance for a little bit of conversation and a little bit of noise. It's not, I feel like as a kid, it was very much library. Everybody like quiet, nobody say anything. <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, when I was a kid and I went to the library, it did seem a lot quieter. Um, but as we try and open up to more and more people in our community, you know, it's, this is not the studious place. So if you're actually looking for a quiet place to study, I would suggest that you go to the university library because it's right. much quieter there. there. Uh, Cause especially, you know, in the summer, we have a lot of children's programs and children, when they get excited, can get a little mm -hmm. louder. There's probably a lot of uh, parents and people at home right now that are spending a lot more time with their kids. I would definitely agree with that one right now. Right now. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> so what, so some of those summer programs, what would they, what would they typically be? Well, I can speak to what we've yeah. done before. I don't know what things are going to look like this summer, obviously. Fair. We're still working on details around that. But usually our, our busiest month of the year is July. Okay. And uh, people are often shocked by that because they think, well, you know, kids aren't in school. And that's exactly it. In July, um, parents are bringing their kids in. They're signing them up for summer reading club which encouraged them to read over the summer and that helps prevent that sort of summer slide right. where they'll lose so much of their reading skill. Um, we usually have uh, programs at our locations throughout the county because there are seven libraries and um, just uh, story times and crafts and, and things that make reading and literacy fun without obviously showing that we're trying to educate them in any way. As you try to sneak the, uh, sneak the learning in, sneak the education in. Exactly. How much would, how much do these programs cost for people who want to access them or use them? All of our programs are absolutely free. We don't charge for anything uh, except um, printing and photocopying, and that's just to be able to cover the resources mm -hmm. for paper. But everything, everything at the library is free. Um, now, obviously, there are fines if you don't return to your books on time, but um, 
I'm familiar with those. Other than that, <laughs> just think of them as a donation to purchase more material. Yes, I eventually convinced myself that was the case. Yeah. Other than that, everything is absolutely free. Um, we try to provide this service so it's a great equalizer. So anybody can come in, use our services, enjoy our programs. Yeah. So I want to follow up on some of those programs, but you mentioned there are seven branches in Cumberland County. Where, where are they? Advocate, Amherst, Oxford, Parsboro, Pugwash, River Hibbert, and Spring Hill. Now, Oxford, uh, before uh, the whole province shut down, Oxford was closed because we had a problem with the building, so we're relocating to a temporary position. Um, we cannot do that at this point, but um, as soon as we're kind of out of this social distancing, we're hoping to uh, have a new place there where people will be able to access at least our collections. Okay. okay. And so I think that's important that there, for people to realize and understand it's not just the Amherst branch. It is, it is Cumberland wide. It is the whole of Cumberland County. Now the Amherst branch does about half of our circulation. So they loan out about half of the material for the County. So there it's our busiest one. So I did want to talk a bit more about, you'd mentioned one early literacy and reading programs like summer reading programs can you talk a bit more about why those are so important and so essential uh well early literacy it's almost uh self-evident in the sense that when you get kids interacting with reading and uh the the literacy components which might be beyond reading as well so literacy physical literacy and numerical literacy, they will grow up to have a better, they'll, they will learn better, they will uh, have a better grasp of uh, how to take in information and then be able to sort through it mm. critically. And we can also do it in a way that's fun and engaging and interactive. So with, um, we offer a program called uh, Children and Adults Reading Together, and it's an eight-week early literacy okay. program. And those kids, when they come in in the beginning, will, you know, maybe know the alphabet, maybe not, know some of the letters. And by the end of the eight weeks, they're reading signs. They're asking, you know, how do I pronounce this word? It's, it's amazing to watch that. Yeah. That, there's... And it puts them at a real advantage when they start yeah, school. Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge thing. Like random your random fact about me is I've never actually used it, but I have my uh, elementary education teaching degree, and I actually have my teaching license in Nova Scotia. I've never actually taught in a classroom. I've just I started building apartments and kept going with that. But I, yeah, those are very yeah, similar jobs. <laughs> It, you know, funny, funny where life takes you. Um, but I remember doing the elementary education degree is we talked a lot about the early literacy and, and they framed it in the sense that at some point in elementary school, you switch from learning to read to needing to read to learn. And mm -hmm. it's typically like grade two, grade three. And there's a lot of stats out there that 
if you're behind at that, you keep falling behind. Like if you're behind reading level at grade three, for example, or grade two, you don't catch up because you, and part of what we do with the summer reading program is because a lot of kids will stop reading in the summer. So we spend that time to encourage them to read, but we also do other things with them. So there's been a, a real emphasis in the province in the last couple of years on physical okay. literacy. So we actually loan out these Be Fit kits. Um, parents can borrow them and they have all these fun things in them. There's a little mini parachute. Right. There is uh, some balls. There is like a frisbee disc thing. There's a rubber chicken for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <I'll... laughs> but they have in the in the kit, yeah. uh, which we have in a backpack uh, that was really um, the backpacks were purchased what funding from. Um, the Amherst Lions Club. Thank you, Amherst Lions Club. Uh, you know, we loan out this backpack and then inside there's there are instructions for games that you can ah, play. Great. Or you can make up your own games. I mean, certainly, but sometimes you just need a little inspiration. To yeah, a little started. guidance, a little, and, little push in the right direction. And we have a, one of those kits in every one of our branches and people and, uh, so yeah, that's physical literacy, but in the summer, there's the, the summer slide where kids stop reading and then those kids go back to school and they're behind their peers. And so one of the things that we try to do is, is take the time in summer to emphasize reading and other forms of literacy in hopes that when they go back to school, they will not have a lot of their... their... This summer, we were hoping to do some fun things with butterflies but i don't think that's going to happen now because we would have to be getting our i don't know cages isn't the right yeah. word our containers for the butterflies and everything right now and it's just not going to work out but maybe yeah. we'll see we'll see hopefully what soon enough i think something else um i was talking about like for early literacy and reading for kids i think the other thing to talk about is uh, our house, I mean, our house is full of books and we have piles of them. And I think kids books now, I think improved so much and changed. And there's so much more variety than even when I was a kid, I think like there's books on everything now. And I think that's true. Yeah. Like there's so many fun, fun books. And, uh, there are a lot of books that, that, explore serious topics and then there are a lot of books that are just silly fun rhyming books so um and right now while we're all kind of locked yeah. away uh there are a lot of children's authors who are doing things online like yes. Will willems is doing a doodle every day at he's lunch, the uh, piggy and, and gerald or like the pigeon books yeah, yeah yes. elephant piggy and you know don't let the pigeon drive yeah. the bus i love that book uh cat the cat who is that yeah he's he's got quite a few yeah. out uh i love Moel. yeah there was a there was a number of them i remember seeing them yeah. well i'll put a i'll put a link to the because mo willems is doing it on youtube i think if you haven't if you haven't come across on facebook i'll put a link on on our website or on our show notes as well but uh, yeah and lots of other authors are are doing fun things online because they know kids aren't uh, in school right now 
parents are also, you know, it's, it's really hard to work from mm-hmm. home, try to make food and take care of your kid and make sure that they're not bored or yes. just something. Yeah. It, it's a challenge for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And it's especially a challenge for those who are parenting mm. on their own. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, if you can set them down to doodle with Mo Willems half an hour, that takes a little pressure yes. off. And I think like on the books, I mean, there were a lot of books I remember from a kid that I've read again, like the very hungry caterpillar and there's a lot of books, but then there's also, I think it's important to get the message out there that for you can find books on everything and anything and animals, science experiments. Um, you know, there's, there's the whole captain underpants series, right? Like <laughs> it's not yeah. just the Hardy boys and the babysitters and, club and Nancy drew and like those, they're still there. You can, we also have those. Yeah. yeah. And now those are in graphic novel mm. format. Um, we have books on every subject and it, which is, you know, you, you're trying to balance the interests of everybody in the community. So that means that some people are not going to like the books that we own um, because they, they cover every topic, different kinds of religions, different belief systems. Um, so, yeah, it's amazing the kinds of things you can find when you're in the library. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's worthwhile. Like it, once, once it opens up again, I think it's worthwhile for everybody just stop by and see what's there. Like if you haven't been there in a long time, go back in. And, uh, we're also, if you don't have a library card right now, we're issuing them online to people so that they can access our online resources, which we're, we're putting more funding into at this point to try and be able to provide some, uh, educational, informational, recreational things to people who don't necessarily want to watch the Tiger King or watch Tiger Mm -hmm. King again. Fair, (laughs) fair. So uh, if you go onto our website, which is www.cumberlandpubliclibraries.ca, and I'm sure you'll add that in your notes. Definitely, definitely. There is a link to get a library card there, and you fill it out. And right now what we're doing is... um, we're actually emailing you back the number right okay. away so that you can go online. We have um, downloadable audiobooks and ebooks. We have downloadable magazines. Uh, we're in the process of getting a product that will give you also downloadable movies, music, and TV shows. I can't tell you when that's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I've signed the contract, so I'm just waiting for them to get through their list of backlog to get us hooked up. And the libraries in the province are negotiating with a company right now called Linda, which will have online courses, tutorials. It's it's a product owned by LinkedIn. So it's like a lot of professional development. Um, So I I don't know when I'm going to be able to announce that because I'm not on that negotiating committee, thankfully. So hopefully it will be soon. And all of that is, all of that is absolutely free with your library card. Right. And if you're late returning them, you're being asked to make a nice donation to the library again. You're not being fined. 
Well, you can't be late returning uh, the ebooks. It uh, it automatically returns. There is ah. no fines. So, so currently right now. So that's how I'm reading. So currently right now, right now you can get ebooks <laughs> from the from the library. And mag is it ebooks. Ebooks, downloadable audiobooks, and magazines, downloadable magazines. Okay. And then what what and programs that, or what what do you need like technology wise at home to access access those? Um, so you have to download their apps, which are also free. Um, the downloadable audiobooks and ebooks are through a company called Overdrive, and they have an app called Libby. And they actually, their, their help section on their website is actually helpful, <laughs> which is not always the case. Okay. So it will take you through the steps. You can go on and, and pick your device out of the list and it will give you the steps of what you need to, to be able to uh, read on that device with that. Uh, RB Digital, which is our magazine, it's a little, more complicated you have to create an account with them which is a bit frustrating for me but um, once you've got that account created you can get them to actually send you your magazine of choice uh, every month so if you're like me and you like your celebrity trash <laughs> magazines they will send you uh, so it's just like okay your your magazine is in and it sent it out to you and you can read it and then it goes back. It's not the same as the fun of flipping through a trash magazine, but you know, it's as close as you can get yeah. right now. <laughs> but right now, like through the library, people can get on and download new, um, new eBooks. If they're looking to learn about a new topic, if they're looking for a new novel, uh, if they're looking for something else to stay, stay entertained while we're self-isolating, right? Yeah. And there are also children's books, and there are children's books in English and mm -hmm. French. So if uh, you're looking for something for your kids to read, or if you're trying to augment some of your homeschooling that you're doing, you can find some stuff on there. And when we have the new service hooked up, which is Hoopla, I believe that they have a homeschooling component on there. Um, Again, I'm just waiting because all of these companies that are um, uh, providing these electronic resources are being overwhelmed by libraries mm. across North America because we're all trying to find ways to be able to serve people in our community. And I, I think my daughter's in French immersion at Spring Street, and we have we have a number of beginning reading French books. And I've taken on, yeah. I feel like my role is to prove to her that you don't have to be perfect and you don't need a fantastic accent to try to speak the language. So I read the books to her. I muddle my way through as much as I can. And hopefully I'm sending an example that, you know what, you try and it's about communicating. So if you get French books, give them a try, read them to your kids. That's my random plug. <laughs> so I was thinking... I was thinking about, before we started um, the interview, I was thinking about the library last night and, and I was thinking, I, I, I think this was before your time, but I remember when I believe the library was in the old, where the cubic, where the, the business center is now, or the old town hall, I yes. believe it was in there and it was off to the, 
Like when you come in the front door, it was off to the right. I believe, I think that's yes. what I remember. And, and because where the library is now was Acadia Street School. And so you may or may not believe this, but I remember uh, like I started school there. So I did grade primary and grade one and grade two at Acadia Street. And then going into grade three, I was so disappointed because that's when we moved to uh, St. Charles School. I was so disappointed because I was in Mrs. I was going to go into Mrs. Harrison's class, which was in the basement of of that building, which I think probably no longer yeah, exists. and probably looking back, probably wasn't the great greatest place to be putting kids. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember I was so disappointed. And anyway, and, and one of the other things I kind of remembered about around that same sort of time was Centennial. So I think it was '88. These are random memories I have about the library from being a kid. I remember it was uh, the, the, the governor general, oh, Ray, I think it was Ray Natishan came down in 88 to dedicate the, uh, the sundial out, out front of the business center. And these are, like I said, random stories. I don't know why I remember them, but in elementary school, I remember going over there. And I think the only reason I remember this is because his name, Ray Natishan had a silent H at the beginning of it. And that's, yes. for whatever reason, stuck with me. So, so that sundial is still there if you want to go look at it when you're out on your social distancing exercise yeah. walks. It, even at that age, I think I was like, well, sundial is kind of a weird, weird thing to dedicate, but all right, we'll go with it. <laughs> so, it, that was those are my two random thoughts and random memories I had about the building that the library's in now and the old one. But people come in all the time. Uh, and say, you know, point to various spots and say, this is where my class was, this, you know, and so-and-so taught that. And my class used to be upstairs or in the basement, which no longer exists. They filled it in when they renovated the building. Um, so, yeah, I hear that a lot, especially people coming to visit town if they haven't been back right. for a while. They walk in and they're like, oh, this is this interesting. Is <laughs> Somebody yeah. was telling me when they renovated the building, they like they had to take a floor out or something like there was some uh i believe that they did because the heating system between the first and second floor is giant yeah. and so i think they didn't quite fill in like i think they lowered the first floor and so you can still see where the windows are or were for the basement and then they used the extra space to put the that's why when you take the stairs, it's like three flights of stairs for a two-flight building. True, and luckily there's the elevator. Um, <laughs> there was one other thing I was thinking about. You mentioned before about the physical literacy kits. Um, yes. The library also loans out other equipment, right? Like, Yeah, and it depends on where, what part of the county you live in. Um, the town of Amherst supported the Amherst Library and provided us with snowshoes, uh, tennis rackets, uh, fishing poles, basketballs, like a huge variety of sporting equipment that people can borrow from us for free. And so, you know, if you wanted to try out snowshoeing in the winter and you didn't want to buy a pair just to try it, you can borrow that from the go out, give it a try and see all about it. Or if you have a bunch of people that want to take fishing and you don't want to buy a whole bunch of fishing poles, 
you can borrow those from us. So, and that was all supported by the town. Okay. I didn't realize they did fishing. I knew the winter sports. Like I knew. The... Yeah. The snowshoes are by far the most mm -hmm. popular. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Maybe the fishing rods now. Well, once everything <laughs> opens back up. Um, so I do want to talk um, in a second a bit more about the funding model for the library. Uh, before we get there, I have a little promo that I want to read and a little a word from one of our sponsors. And I think this fits into our conversation quite well. So today's episode is brought to you by books and by reading. So during self-isolation, now is the time to crack open those books gathering dust on your shelf or to curl up and read some more books with your kids or order books for your book club and meet online. Then once the library is open back up, you can stop by to get or renew your library card or get your library card online. And don't forget if you need to order some new books, Kohl's has been a member of our community for a long time and you can support them by ordering through chapters.ca. So, so this is a question for you then, Denise. What, what have you been reading so far during self-isolation? I have been reading a lot. Uh, so I don't know if you know, but uh, Chantel Taylor and I do a radio show on CFTA on Monday mornings. And it's called My Two Favorite Librarians. Okay. Um, we have just recently started a Facebook group around that too. Uh, the Facebook group is called My Two Favorite Librarians. Mm -hmm. Favorite, spelt the correct Canadian way with a U. <laughs> and so we post on there some of the things we're reading. I finished um, book 26 for the year nice. yesterday. So yeah, I started a few years ago keeping track of how many books I read a year. And now Chantelle and I make it a competition okay. um, or more. <laughs> more aptly I make it a competition <laughs> and Chantel reads books yeah um so right now I've just started the magician by Lev Grossman I, like just started I think I'm about five pages in and that one was one that I downloaded through overdrive so for free from the library um I also I picked up a couple of years ago, I bought a copy of Les Miserables oh, yeah? and it's, it's like, I don't know, 600,000 pages okay. long. And now I'm like, okay, this is the time to read that book. <laughs> Did you get it in English or in French? I got oh. it in English. My French reading skills are not uh, are strong enough. Although maybe by the time I finish that <laughs> book, it would be. <laughs> It's really long. <laughs> yeah. Who wrote who wrote that one? Who uh, Okay, Victor I was thinking Hugo? that, but Okay. And Lev Grossman, that that yeah. name sounds familiar. What else did he write? He's got this whole series on these magician books and uh, the way it was described to me was it's like Harry Potter for adults. Although I'm not saying that adults shouldn't read Harry Potter because I love it and I reread it all the time. Um, so it, there's like a school of magic and, uh, I think they, they made a TV series out of it too, although I haven't seen mm. any of that. So yeah, the, uh, the Harry Potter books are an interesting, my wife and I've had the debate cause I'm with you. I love them and I've read them probably three or four times, like read them all. And it was sort of the debate of, okay, how do you start reading them to your 
kids now? Like what age do you start? Because when they first came out, like if a kid started reading them when they were eight, they're spread out enough. So by the time you got to the last book in the real, or some of the last books where it really got into some, yeah, the kids were, you know, 14, 15, 16. But now if you start reading like the first book, you know, when a kid's seven, and say you read one every six months or whatever, very quickly, there's not even 10 and you're into these very dark. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it is, uh, it was such a great thing because the books grew up with Mm -hmm. the readers. Um, J.K. Rowling has actually said that um, you can read her books right now, uh, copyright free. So you can read them online uh, to do a read along Mm -hmm. because she's trying to find ways to, make this you know being inside and away from people better Mm -hmm. for everybody so i think i admire that yeah so get back to the question i did have for you is i want to talk about the funding model for the library um because i didn't really understand it till probably a year or two ago and i i mean i just had assumptions on it which were incorrect so can you tell us about how is the library funded? Uh, well, we receive funding from the province of Nova Scotia and from the towns in which we operate. So uh, here we get about 73% from the province of Nova Scotia, about 25-ish percent from the various towns based on their population. And then we are required uh, under the Libraries Act regulations to fundraise 3% of our operating budget. Per really? Year. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did not yeah. write the law. <laughs> is that new or is that been um, old? No, no. That's been in place since the 90s. Um, so we fundraise by... Uh, obviously, people can give us donations for a registered charity, and uh, that's why we charge fines, which makes me very sad because I would really like to get yeah. rid of fines. I think they're uh, they discourage mm-hmm. people from you know, especially our our most vulnerable mm-hmm. people who uh, maybe can't afford those. It's so easy to forget. Um, like just you get busy is. and you just don't it, get the book it's back. Easy yeah. Or, uh, I mean, there are things where people have to leave their houses and they can't get those books back to us. So anyway, um, so yeah, we get uh, 70-ish percent from the province and then a 25-ish percent from the the towns and the countries. Mm -hmm. Um, The uh, province's funding has been traditionally based on how many people are in the county. Uh, They're in the process of changing that because uh, you find that more and more people are leaving the rural areas and going to the Mm -hmm. city. And uh, we still need to have a certain amount of money to operate no matter how many people there are. And uh, so they're, they're looking to change that model now. Do do you have a sense of where they want to go with the model? Uh, they want to give us a certain amount for uh, like a base amount 
for each region. So there are nine library regions with Goja, um, but for this, we just put aside Halifax yeah. because they are funded mm -hmm. differently. So they wanted to have each of the eight regions get a specific amount for operations, for uh, material purchase, and for staffing. And then on top of that, give a certain amount how big our population is. So uh, the Cumberland County Libraries, we are the smallest population-wise library okay. region in. So end up with probably this one of the smallest budgets based on that. Yeah. But also, I was going to say, probably have the largest, one of the largest geographic areas to cover. Uh, Eastern County's libraries is the largest geographic area. So that would be like area. Guysboro. And... Yeah. Yeah. They're half of Cape Breton oh, Island. Okay. And then, and then like also Guysboro, Sherbrooke, that, that shore. Jeez. So they're kind of like, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not yeah. in that. Yeah, one. you're covering a lot of ground <laughs> that way. So yeah. if you know, and if you could share, I'm kind of curious, like you gave sort of the percentages, but how much, what is the total budget for the Cumberland Public Libraries? Is that something you can share, like the total dollar amount? Oh, yeah. Um, we, we post a small summary of our audited statement in our annual report okay. every year. And um, if somebody wants to read our whole audited report, which is riveting, it's, you know, 40 pages of how we spend our money, we will, uh, we will certainly provide that to them. Um, our annual report you can find on our website. It's in the About Us section. Um, but last year, our budget, so we've just entered a new sure. fiscal year, like yeah, six April days 1st, ago. Right? So, yeah. So last year, our budget was uh, approximately $870,000. So with $870,000, we run seven libraries. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, 26 staff. Mm -hmm. uh, we run all of our programs. Mm -hmm. We buy books. We buy electronic material. We buy computers. We transport books around to people. So we do that on a, on a well, shoestring. Yeah. It's not. And on top of that, you have to fundraise whatever, two to 3%. So you're talking, you have to fundraise $25,000. And we tend to fundraise, we have to fundraise 3%, mm -hmm. but we tend to fundraise around 6%. So you're fundraising $50,000 a year. Which is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know we use those fundraised uh, dollars to provide extra things, right? So um, every time you buy a book from our book sale or or make a, a charitable donation to the library for which we provide a tax mm -hmm. receipt, you're helping fund. Uh, you know maybe you're helping us pay for a science program for March break, which um, has a lot of ingredients because we like to make them really messy. <laughs> gets a lot of kids in if we're making yeah, slime. True. Yeah. Um so you know those the and we also get um donations from you know the Lions Club supports us, the Lioness Club, Rotary Club. Um we get donations from some local businesses. Um the Copper Tree Boutique supports our radio show. They're our sponsor for that. 
we get money from um oh, what is the salt place called uh, now it's not windsor anymore what is it compass minerals something mineral Com compass yeah. minerals we get a donation from them we get a donation from Johnson and Bickerton. I've missed, I mean, yeah. there are so many places that will give us some money to help support our programs uh, and we appreciate it. But yeah, with about $870,000 last year, we ran programs and loaned out books, provided all kinds of other services. That, yeah, you look at that, that number doesn't go that far. <laughs> like when you look at what, what you've got no. to do. so. So the question is like, maybe, you know, maybe you have a sense, like what actually would be, what would your budget need to be to say, to be a fully funded library system? Like how much money are we talking? Is it double? Is it? Um, I don't tend to look at it in the sense of what it would take to be fully funded because I never anticipate that we will ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just look at, you know, so the, the provincial government uh, is looking to give us a funding increase uh, this year. And um, now I'm hoping that that still goes forward. Um, so with that funding increase, I started thinking of other things that we could offer to people. Um, so one of the things was to purchase some of the electronic resources I mentioned earlier, which we purchased anyway, and I'm just going to have to figure out how to afford mm -hmm. them. Um, I think we might be getting some grants for those just because we're, we're helping uh, during this time. Um, but yeah, what I, what I tend to look at with additional funding is what can we use that funding for to help our community? So if that's, you know, having extra hours, if that's having staff be able to provide more outreach services, so being able to get out into the community more to people who can't necessarily come in to us, if that's providing additional programs, um, I have a whole wish list of things I would like to see happen, uh, depending on what we get for money. I guess when I look at this, like, like you say, fundraise $50,000 a year, the budget's $870,000. It's like, you know, 25,000 or $30,000 or $50,000 makes a huge difference in, in the services and the programs and things that you yes. could offer. Yeah. And we make about, um, $10,000 a year on fines. But again, I, I hate that because it's, it's like the police budgeting on how many speeding tickets they're going to give out. So if, if you don't give out enough fines, you're not going to make your budget, which uh, to me, is, it's not a, a sound model for a nonprofit because we're here to serve our community. And, uh, you know, it does, it makes a huge difference to some people that, you know, a $5 fine could mean that they're they're just not going to be able to come back in. Actually, that's not true because you have to exceed $10 before we block your card. Fair. And sometimes you run programs like in December, a couple times a year, it's bring food in for the food bank and sort of donate away your yes. fines kind of. 
We offer food for fines in December. So uh, for the whole month, we take non-perishable food items instead of fines, which helps people wipe fines off their account. And it provides food for our local food banks. And it stays in the community in which it's donated. So uh, if you are uh, bringing in food in Hugwash, it goes to uh, the church that runs their food bank there. So it doesn't come into Amherst, it stays in your... Um, so, and our, our funding is with our municipalities, they pay a percentage of what the province pays. So if the province is increasing our funding, our municipalities also have to increase our funding. And our municipalities are, um, I think, struggling with the same problems that we have, right? They, they need to make money, but we have a reducing, uh, uh, our population is reducing and our population is getting older. So there is that yeah. issue as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a fair, it's not a, yeah, it's not a simple, it's not a simple solution or simple fix. Um, no. With that being said, though, it is. And this is sort of the reason I wanted you to come on is I think like looking back on it, it is the library and the library system, I feel like is one of these institutions and organizations in our towns and in our communities that we've kind of taken for granted and forgotten about what you add to our communities and let the funding start to fall off. Well, and the people who who use the library regularly, mm -hmm. I know will be struggling right now with us being yeah. closed. Uh, the people who don't use the library regularly, when they come in for something, they're always, I, I, I can't get over how surprised they are at all of the things that we offer and all of the things that we do. Uh, they're just like, oh, I, could, I, I didn't know that you would do, you would provide this service or uh, we have, you know, a computer, a technology trainer, um, and uh, he offers one-on-one -on -one hour-long appointments with people to help them with their technology. We do that absolutely free. Like that's a service that they don't necessarily think no, of. Which is having. great for if there's somebody out there that's trying to figure out how to use FaceTime to talk to their grandkids or Facebook to stay in touch yeah. with people or any of these things. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I should mention too, right now, um, it just occurred to me, um, the Wi-Fi is still on at five of our seven locations. So uh, other than Oxford and Pugwash, you can still go to the library. You can't go in, but you can access the Wi-Fi outside. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously- Stay six feet apart. Use, yeah. Yeah, proper social distancing. But you know, if you have a device, but you don't have internet access at home and you want to apply for um, the CERB or you want to download a book, you can still access our Wi-Fi outside our building. Doesn't require a password, requires nothing, absolutely mm. free. That's a, that is important. Like if you have your phone and you're out of data and it doesn't re reboot yeah. for another week or two weeks and you're trying to apply, like it's, yeah, there, yeah. And that, I think this is why I wanted you to come on and talk about these and start talking about the fact that you know, for people in our community, you may not use a lot of the services at the library, but there are a lot of people in our community 
Amherst and our surrounding communities that rely on them and it's needed. And, yeah. you, and if you don't use our services, you should come in because we have so much awesome stuff, especially for somebody like me who reads, I, I read like a hundred books a year. I could not buy a hundred books a year. I would be yeah. poor. <laughs> I've, I've commented before. I, I think I've told you as well. I've brought Isabel in a couple times. You've done scavenger hunts throughout the library for kids. Like there's things hidden. Yes. And she just, she loves them. You got to run around the library and there's, you have clues and you got to try to find, I think there was a monster one and an alien one and an animal one, like just a few times throughout, throughout the year. And then we give a book prize for those and that gets books into people's homes, which helps promote reading and, and, uh, you know, literacy from within the home. Because if you have books at home, you're more likely to seek them out, out in the yes. world. Yes. So a couple last, just quick questions um, for you. If people are looking to support the library right now, what options would they have? Uh, you can donate to the library. Um, there is a link on our website to our Canada Helps page. So if you wanted to make a donation and you do, we are a registered charity, so you do receive a tax receipt. Um, and otherwise, use the library and use our resources and tell people about the library's resources. That is more important than anything. Um, I really just want people to use our resources. So if you know somebody who is looking for books to read right now, let them know that they're able to download them for free from the library. And because, you know, it could be a few more weeks that we're home. So the time to tackle Les Miserables. <laughs> and then if, if you feel like the funding amounts for the library should be or could be increased, who would be the people that you would talk, talk to? to your, talk to your MLA and talk to your uh, town councillors uh, or county councillors um, because those are the people who uh, impact what we get for funding and uh, you know every voice helps. A few years ago we were in a very uh, big budget crunch and uh, people in the community were writing letters to our MLA, who at the time was Terry Farrell. And, you know, he was passing those on to the government. And they were, uh, they had decided at that point that they would give um, an extra $50,000 to every public library region in the province. So that money made it so that we didn't have to cut our hours because $50,000, as you have mentioned, is a big deal for us. So without that money, so, you know, and that wouldn't have happened without people in the community saying, Hey, the library is important to me. And if we have a, a municipal election this fall, which hopefully we do, who knows? <laughs> tell the people who are running, that you think the library is important and that it should be adequately funded um, because you know it is a resource that we serve the whole community doesn't matter what your beliefs are it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter what your gender identity is we, you know we serve everybody and there aren't a lot of other places 
that you get that anymore. So yes. perfect. I think that's it's a great way, great way to end it. And if people have questions for you or want to get in touch with the library, what's the best way? What's the best way to do that? Uh, so we still have a phone line open and it is 902-667-2135. So they can call if they have mm -hmm. questions. Uh, we're also checking uh, the email information at cumberlandpubliclibraries.ca. So they can email that. And uh, I've been getting a lot of emails about people looking for their passwords so that they can get on and use the electronic okay. resources. Uh, so if you don't know, when you get your library card, we set your pin to the last four digits of your phone ah. number. You can reset it, but that's what it's initially set at. So, so it's probably still <laughs> that's that a good tip for, for most people. It's probably still that. It's probably yeah. still okay. that. Um, also, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can go on to our website, www.cumberlandpubliclibraries.ca to find all of the things that I mentioned today and to look at what we have in our collection. There, our catalog is on there. However, you can't access our collection right Soon. now. Soon. 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 Yeah. And for people who say they miss the library, the library misses you too. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much uh, for coming on, Denise. I think we covered a lot about what the library does and adds to our communities. Well, you know me. I am always happy to talk about the Perfect. library. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Denise Corey for coming on the episode and telling us all about the Cumberland Public Libraries. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more local stories, from local people, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or where you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you check back on Thursday for the first episode of the Great Amherst Gratitude Project.